Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to begin today's message talking about the greatest call that mankind has ever received. This is the greatest calling ever given in all of human history. The words that we're going to talk about, the words that we're going to share, are, is that calling. It is the pinnacle. It is the top. It is the highest. Now, as I talk about the word calling, many of us often get our callings and our occupations mixed up. And they are not the same thing. Well, Pastor, I'm called to be an accountant. I'm called to be a teacher. I'm called to be a plumber. I'm called to be in the oil field. I'm called to be in the ministry. I'm called to be a manager. And often when people say I'm called to be a manager, it just simply means they like telling other people what to do. (laughs) But I'm not talking about that. Or even I'm not talking about I'm called to do a bunch of stuff at the church. I'm called to be a greeter, Pastor Gabe. I'm called to be an usher. I'm called to work with the kids. All of those are amazing things. But what I'm talking about is the real calling. Because everything else that I just mentioned is simply the byproduct of this calling. Everything else is an addendum to this calling, the calling that Jesus gave to mankind. That is the highest honor ever given. This is the original call. This is the most important. This is when you boil it all down. If you were to lose all of those other things, and some of you have, you've lost all of those things, this call remains. This call stands the test of time. This call remains whether you're physically capable to do a job or not. This call remains whether people think highly of you or not. This is the call, and I want to read it to you in Mark chapter 1, verse 16. This is what it says. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Let me pause there for a moment. In biblical times, and some of you have heard me talk about this before, in biblical times, you did the job that your father did. That was your identity. If your dad was a fisherman, you were going to most likely be a fisherman because his dad was a fisherman and it was a family trade and it was your way that you contributed to the local culture or the local society. This is what you did. So these two men, Simon and Andrew, they were fishermen. They grew up fishermen. They were taught how to fish. This is how they made a living, but it was also their identity. Men, you recognize this and you understand this. When we meet one another, often, what do we do? We ask, what's your name? And then we ask, what do you do? Because we so so attribute what a person does for a living to their identity. And it was no different in this time in, in the Bible. And then all of a sudden, in the way that he always does, Jesus shows up and he changes everything. Can I just tell you, if Jesus shows up in your life, there will be evidence of change. 
He does not show up and things stay the same. When he shows up, things change. That's just the way that it is. And so these two brothers are out doing their job, doing their living, doing what they believe probably to be their calling in life because it's what their fathers did and what their fathers did and what their identity was. And this is who we are. And Jesus shows up and he says this. Verse 17, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they cast their net, they left their nets at once, and they followed him. In an instant, Jesus changed everything. He said, yes, you're a fisherman, but your, your fishing job that you have is only a foreshadow of what I've really called you to be. But before you can be everything, you can do, excuse me, everything that I want you to do, the very first calling that I have for you is you have to follow me. Come and follow me. What great words. What a great calling. Is Jesus saying to normal I want you to envision this because we read this and we jump past this so often. Jesus talking to normal, everyday men, telling them to come and follow God. He didn't, he wasn't saying come and join a religion. I think that's, we, when we boil Christianity down to a religion, we really miss it. We really, this is not a religious system. This is not, I got a little bit of Jesus, I got a little bit of Buddha, I got a little bit of Hare Krishna. No, no, no. This is not a religion. This is an all-encompassing life change. This is man following God. God came in the flesh and became a man and dwelt among us and gave us this call to follow him. This is not do better. This is not become a better person. Let me help you with something. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. When he came, you got to see this with me. This is the perfect son of God, the perfect man. God became man in full perfection and essentially what he did when he said to come follow me is this. He said, let me show you how to live. Because sin has marred us. The sins in your life have changed the way that you think. The experiences excuse me, that you've had in your life as a child, as an adult, through unforgiveness, through bitterness, through actions, through all of those things, it has marred all of mankind so that we do not think right. We don't, and you may think in a way that's normal, but it doesn't mean that it's right. Sin came into the world and completely changed the way that we think. Our eyes were opened in not a good way. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world, and it changed everything. And so now you have the original way that God wanted us to live and the way that God thinks, and we have the way that we think because of our sins. And how do I know this? The Bible says this. God says this in his word. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And here's this God with all of his high thoughts and all of his high ways. And he comes 
into the form of a man, walks among us, and asks us to come and follow him so that he could show us how to live. There's much more than come on a journey with me. He was saying, let me show you how to live. And this is the time of year where New Year's and everybody's thinking, let me get in shape, let me get fit. Some of you, I'm, I came to church because I want to be a little bit better. I want God did not come. Jesus did not come for your behavior modification. He didn't come to help make you a little bit better. He came to take your life, all of your life, and give you new life. That's what he wants for you. And it's greater than anything you could have ever imagined. If you've boiled, down, boiled God down, excuse me, to a simple religion or a way of believing, you've missed it. You've missed it. Because he wants all of you. And he wants to pour all of him into who you are, his spirit into you to make you something new. Are y'all with me? There's a lot that is in these few words. Come and follow me. So I don't want you to focus on simply being better. I want you to focus on following God. We don't focus on, I'm going to be better. We've all been there. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be better at this. I'm going to do better this year only to fail and to fall and to give up. And Jesus is not saying, come and do better. He's saying, come and follow me. So that when you mess up, get back up and keep following When you make a mistake, get back up and keep following. This is a lifelong journey that I'm calling you to. But the genesis of it is the very same. Come and follow me. I want you to see this with me. And I'm going to make this, I want to make this point even more. I want you to imagine this. God coming. And I'm not God by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a failed, flawed man. But God coming in the flesh and walking amongst us and saying, I want you. I want you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. That's what Jesus did. As awkward as it is to have me come down from this stage, imagine God in the flesh coming and walking among us and saying, I want you. Let me show you how. That's what he did. And he's calling every single one of you by name because he knows you and he created you. And he's simply asking you the same thing. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Let me show you how to live. Let me show you how to follow. Let me show you how to live the life that God originally intended you to live. Because the life that you have been living is not the life he intended. It's never what he designed for you. It's never what he wanted for you. That's why when you read the Bible, it seems so foreign to us. You want to know why it seems so foreign to us? Because it's right and we're wrong. It is right and we are wrong. So the calling remains the same. Come. Follow me. He called those men and he's still calling you. He's still calling you. So I'm going to ask everyone in this place today. Today's different. I'm not going to try to convince you with three points in a poem. I'm not going to try to convince you to follow him. Because the truth is, as many of you know, he's been calling you by his spirit. He's been drawing you for a while. And it's time for you to respond. 
It's time for you to respond to that drawing. And I want to show you how. But I also want to talk to those of you who you have followed before. And you lost your way. And you stopped following. Let me clarify that statement so you know exactly what I mean. When I say you've lost your way, it's not because he ran off and you lost him. It's because you stopped following and you know it. I want to help you as well. So the first group of people that I'm talking to, you've never been what the Bible calls a born again. You've never had the moment where you said, I will follow you. I hear your call. And I'm going to respond. We talk about this every single Sunday, and I stand up there, and every week we pray this prayer. And some of you understand it, some of you don't. I want to help you one more time with this. When he says, come follow me, what he's really saying is come and be born again. And that is just how it sounds. Come and die to the old you and be born again into new life. Not join a church, not shake the pastor's hand, not sign a religious documentation. None of that. He's saying, come, die to yourself and find life in me. That's what we call being born again. How do you do that? I say it every week. It's as simple as ABC. A, you admit. Admit the truth that there is sin in your life that separates you from him. Those little things that you do are those big things that you've done that you hope no one ever finds out about. He knows. And that's what separates you from him. B, you believe. And that sounds very simple because it is. You believe that what he did on the cross was so that everything in the A category could be washed away. So that your sins could be forgiven. The things that separate you from him could be gone. All because of the blood that Jesus shed on that cross. And see, you confess. You confess that he is Lord. And when you're saying you are Lord, let me tell you, let me help you. What that saying is, I will follow. It means that you are really in control and I am really not. And I'm giving control of my life over to you to follow you. You are my Lord. It's as simple as bowing your knee going, I don't belong to myself anymore. I've given myself to you so that I could be born again. I want everybody in this place to close your eyes, bow your heads, and I'd like to ask you to respond to that. If you know by his spirit he's been drawing you and he's calling, he's giving you the same call. Young ladies, y'all too. He's calling y'all as well. Come and follow me. If you say, Pastor, I want to do that, I want to respond to that calling, and I'm ready to give him my life. I'm not talking about those who simply need to repent. I will talk to you in a moment. I'm talking about those who need to be born again. And he's calling you. With no one looking around, I want to acknowledge who I'm going to pray with. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord, the year of the Lord. And everything in your life can change in this moment. So with no one looking around, on the count of three, I just want you to lift up your hand. If that's you, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer of surrender. One, two, three. If that's you, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Anyone else? 
Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand back there. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. I see your hand back there, sir. He loves you. You can put him down. Church, you know what to do. Let's pray this prayer with all of those precious saints who have given their lives to him. Today is your day to be born again. Say these words with me. And as we surrender to him, it's not the words that will save you. It's your surrender and it's his grace. Say these words with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe on the cross you died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to go there. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on this earth, and a relationship with the Father. I turn away from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. And from this moment on, God, you're my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. You know what to do. Let's celebrate with every person that prayed that. Listen, if you've prayed that and you're wondering, what did I just do? Number one, you just made the best decision you've ever made in your life. And number two, you've began the journey. It's the journey of saying, I will follow you. But guess what? That means you have to keep following him. So how do you keep following him? That's what I want to talk to you about in these next four weeks. What that looks like and how to do that. Because it's not enough to just, I came and I'm in church and I applaud you for that. I really do. But you've just begun the greatest journey of your life. And it will be the most fulfilling. It will be the most frustrating. It will be the scariest. And it will be the most encouraging journey you could have ever gone on in your life. But before I go back up to finish this message... There was a second group that I told you I wanted to talk to. And that's those of you who maybe you come to church every single week and you know in your heart of hearts, I've stopped following. I'm just showing up. I hope nobody finds out. I hope nobody actually knows. God knows. God knows. But he also loves you dearly which is why he's continuously extending this call to you to follow him. So let's get some things right with God this morning. Close your eyes one more time. And I want to pray with you. If that's you, I want you to pray these words with me. Say, Father, I repent. I sinned against you. I've hardened my heart against you, but no more. I will follow you. Give me the grace and fill me with the Holy Spirit, giving me the ability to say no to sin and to say yes to you. I'm sorry, but I'm getting back up and I'm going to follow you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, one more time. Let's celebrate. Now let me briefly explain something to you. Because in the Bible, after Jesus died and rose again from the dead, he came back to his disciples before he ascended into heaven and he told them something. He gave them what's called the Great Commission and he told them to go into all of the world and make disciples. But he said, before you do this, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Now, what's, what's important about that? Jerusalem is the very place that he had just died. He was just killed and he sent his disciples, his followers, back to the same place that he had just gotten killed. And he told them, I want you to go there and I want you to wait. I want you to wait to be filled with and endowed with power from on high. So they did. And about 120 people, followers of his, waited in an upper room. And the Bible says that suddenly a rushing, mighty wind came into the place. And it filled all of them with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in a different tongue. And the Bible said it would look like flames, clothing tongues rested on top of their heads. And they began to pray out loud in this unknown tongue. A miracle was happening in front of our very eyes. And it was the birth date of the church. It was Jesus who had walked among them, now sending them the spirit because he was no longer walking among them. He was sending them the spirit to live inside of them to guide them. And when this happened, Peter, who many of you know, the same one who denied Jesus three times, now boldly stood up because as you can imagine, a lot of people gathered whenever they saw this. Can you imagine if you walked out in our parking lot and there was 120 people all speaking in random languages with fire on top of their head? You'd probably gather as well to figure out what was going on. So they gathered and Peter boldly stood up and he started preaching the gospel. And he started telling them that what you did, your sin killed the Messiah that you've been waiting for. The one that you stand in the synagogues every day and pray for and ask for and declare is coming. He came and you killed him. And the Bible says they were cut to their heart. And then he preached the good news that even them, they could be saved, even though they killed the Messiah. And on that day, the Bible says that 3,000 of them were born again, were saved. What happened? That was the birth date of the church. What did they do after that? Because remember, Jesus was no longer there walking with them. So how would they know how to follow him? This is what the Bible says, because everything that they're doing, I'm asking you to do. Everything they devoted themselves to, I'm asking you to devote yourselves to. Why? Because we're still following the same Jesus. This is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, first things first, if you pray that, again, welcome to God's family, what do I do next? Keep coming. But I also encourage you the same thing that they did. They were water baptized. That was a public declaration of the, the following, 
the dying of themselves, them going into the water, an old man and coming up a new one. I don't know if you know this about water baptism, but we're born in water. Did you know that? How do, it, moms? What broke before those babies came? That's one reason why that's symbolic of new life. So on February 26th, I want to encourage you, we're going to have our next water baptism. If you prayed that and you said, I'm beginning this journey, I want you to go public with your faith. I want you to declare your commitment to the world. Sign up for that water baptism. But the next thing that I want you to see that they devoted themselves to, is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They became listeners, students of the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. Now, we don't have those apostles with us today. They're no longer here, but their words are still here. Their words are still here in the New Testament. So what am I asking you to devote yourself to? Whether you've brand new, brand new follower of Jesus, or whether you've been following for years, but you've neglected this. I want you to devote yourself to the word of God. Devote yourself to the Bible. Because if you want to know what God is like, look no further than Jesus. But if you want to know what Jesus is like, look no further than his word. Because his words tell you who he is, and who he is tells you who the father is. I want to know what God wants. I want to know who God is. It's in the book. It's in there. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you, then you should devote yourself to his word. Read your Bible. Read your Bible daily. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't, and I have good reasons why. Let me tell you some of the reasons why I know some of you would say you don't read your Bible. Can I get real practical with y'all this morning? Number one, I'm in, it's intimidating. I'm, I'm intimidated by the Bible. Another reason, it's hard to understand. We're going to address some of these before we close. I don't know where to start. I don't have the time. Or I'm not a reader. I want to help you with all of those because these are, these are good reasons, but they're horrible excuses. What if I told you that, husbands, let me talk to you for a moment. What if I told you that I would give you a book, and in that book, it would tell you everything that your wife likes, everything that makes her angry? That would be a pretty big section, I'm sure. When's the, how to address her, when's the best timing, how she wants you to be. What if I said, I'm going to give you the playbook to your wife? How many of you would want that? Be honest, last service, one man said no. In the back, he was like, no, thank you. You would want to know that because that's the closest person to you. You would want to know the heart of the person that you've given yourself to and they've given themselves to you. That's what the Bible is. Not only does the Bible reveal to us who God is, listen to this, don't miss this. The Bible reveals to you who you really are. 
it shows you who you really are. Because when guilt and condemnation are, are telling you that is who you are, the Bible comes in. If you're born again, the Bible comes in and tells you, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible, yes. The Bible steps in and it says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible steps in and says, you are the head and you're not the tail. The Bible tells you, you are the beloved of God. The Bible tells us who we really are because sin, like I said before, has so marred our perspective on the world, on God, and on ourselves that we need something to renew our minds and show us who we really are and who God really is. That's why you should read your Bible. That's why you should devote yourself to this, these words they're not storybooks. And people all the time, well, the Bible's not real. The Bible, the Bible, how about this one? The Bible was written by men. Who else was going to write them? I know it sounds silly, but did you want a giraffe to? Of course it was written by men, but it was inspired by God's spirit. God's spirit inspired those men to write these words. And all of history has confirmed the validity and the proof. You don't even have to be a believer in Jesus to look historically and see that he really existed and really was tried by the Romans. History tells you that. So if you won't trust the Bible, trust history. Because ultimately, if you really do, it's going to lead you back to this book and the truth of this book. And so let me, I want to give you, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want to help you with some of those, those reasonings that we had. I want to help you understand the Bible. I want you to really get it and let this be a new year of devoting yourself to God's word as you see who he is and, how, and when he renews your mind to see yourself the way he wants you to see yourself. Pastor, how do I do that? Number one, I love how simple Pastor Chris Hodges' challenge was last week. If you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was very good. He said this, he said, read the Bible five minutes a day. So I'm asking you to take that challenge, to commit to getting in the Bible and reading the Bible five minutes a day. Listen, if you're just starting out, don't, do, don't I'm setting two hours aside. That may, that's great for some of you. For others of you, that is completely unsustainable. It's like going to the gym and lifting every weight in the gym. You leave sore and you never come back. And my trainer is in here. Am I, am I lying, Ben? Is that right? Okay, thank you. Start with five minutes a day and consistently read it. And if you miss a day, guess what? Just read it again tomorrow. But make the commitment that I'm going to build a healthy habit in my life of reading the Bible. The second thing I want you to do, very, very simple, get a translation that you understand. Get a translation that you actually understand. People ask me, Pastor, what's the best translation? Let's just start with the one you understand. Because if you're reading the these and thou's and the arts and you don't understand them, they're not doing you any good. You may sound very poetic as you read the book that you don't understand. Start with a translation that you understand. A great way for you to do that, get the YouVersion app. 
Get the YouVersion app, and it has so many good translations in it. And if you say, I'm not a reader, guess what? You can hit a button, and it will read to you. Let's even remove that reason. You can put one on there. You can have James Earl Jones read the Bible to you. You can literally have Darth Vader reading the book of Revelation to you if you so desire. Start with a translation you understand. My personal favorite that I love to read is the NLT, the New Living Translation, because it's so simple. The language is so easy to understand. That's my personal favorite. I encourage you, do that. The next thing, very practically, that I want to challenge you with, if you don't know where to start, start in the Gospel of John. Go to the New Testament and start in the Gospel of John. Not 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John. Right in the middle of the book, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Read the book of John. That is one of the men who physically followed Jesus around, giving his eyewitness account of what it was like to actually see Jesus. To sleep in the same places where Jesus slept. To eat where Jesus ate. To, he watched Jesus doing the miracles that he did. Start there. Some of you get real zealous, and I'm going to read the one-year Bible, and you start in Genesis, and everything's great. You get to Exodus, and it's okay, and then after that, <laughs> you're done. You get to Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers, and, all, and you're like, I, most of you don't make it to Numbers. You just quit. Like, I'm, I'm done. I give. Start with the Gospel of John. And work through it and discover who Jesus is. The last practical thing that I'm asking you to do. Journal what you've learned and share it with others. As you're reading the Bible and it starts to come alive to you, write down notes of what you feel like he's saying to you in that. Write it down. God, I think you're saying this to me, or I see this in the scripture, or this has been revealed to me. This is what Jesus means, and you're going to, it's going to come alive to you. And what, you, what do you do with those things? You share those things with others. You get in, that's one of the reasons why I'm encouraging you to get in these come follow me small groups. Listen, please, 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 please. I'm not benefiting from asking you to get in this. This is for your benefit. Get in one of those come follow me groups and hold each other accountable to the word, to reading the word. And that's the people you shared. This is what God showed me in the Bible. And you let them say, well, man, that same Bible verse, God showed me this. And all of a sudden you start, things just start coming alive to you. How many of you remember those 3D pictures? Remember, it, was, it, it looked like popcorn everywhere. And then you stare at it and all of a sudden elephant eating peanuts jumps out. Like, some of y'all were really, really good at that. I was not one of them. But that's what will happen when you build a steady, healthy diet of the Bible. The truth of God's word will just come and stand out to you. Write those things down and share those things with others and learn about God from one another in community. Y'all with me? So simply put, I'm asking you to devote yourself to God's word. And what will happen is your mind will be renewed. Romans chapter 12, and I'm closing. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The more you dive into this word, the more you learn God's will for your life. The more you dive into this word, the more that you start to see the way he thinks is different than the way that I think. And the more you dive into this word, the more he can wash your mind and help you think the way that he wants you to think. Seeing him properly, seeing the world properly, and seeing yourself properly. I'm asking you to take that practical step and devote yourself to God's word. And the best way to do it is to do it in community. So please don't rush out. Go meet one of our leaders. Well, Pastor, I'm really, really busy. There's groups meeting all throughout the week. All, some on Sundays, right after church, all over, the, whenever. But let's do this together. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that there's so much power in your word to change us, to help us, to renew our minds. And Lord, for every person here, I pray you would bless them. I pray you would make your face shine on them. I pray you bless them and they're going out and they're coming in and everything they put their hands to in your name would prosper and would be blessed. I pray for the grace of God on them as we go into this week of fasting and prayer. God, as they're learning how to fast and what that means, I pray that you would bless them in this time and that they would encounter you in ways they never have before. And Lord, I pray for them as a church body, that they would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. They would be a powerful church. They would be a pure church walking in the fear of the Lord. And they would be a persistent church even in the face of challenges. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.